You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery, episode 153. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Oh boy, oh boy, it's great to be here at 12.08 a.m. Central Standard Time. One of the best things about this show is that I have this opportunity to use this as like an audio vlog sometimes. So it's not like it's a journal, like it's a diary for me. Uh, not every episode, am I, you know, am I meaning at least to come in with these juicy nuggets of golden wisdom. Even though members of my tribe will swear that I do it, even when I don't mean to do it, and there's been a lot. There's been there's been so much going on right now, right? There, there's there's there's. I mean, literally, I've I've got. I feel like I've got hundreds of inputs coming at me on a regular basis. I've just moved into a new town. I'm building friendships and a social circle, and I'm networking, and my business is growing, and I'm launching a membership site, and I'm summarizing all the podcasts turning them into a book. Uh, I'm contacting every single day addiction recovery centers and businesses and colleges and high schools to come speak, be able to share my message and, and, and do the things I do. And I've, and I've got the members of my tribe and we're always meeting up and keeping in contact. And I've got clients and I've, you know, I've got family members that are all around me and football season just ended and I just got back from Los Angeles and there was the Super Bowl. And here's today, there's tornadoes 10 miles away from my house and there's raindrops that, you you know, the size of small dogs falling out of the sky. And it's like, you know, I'm sitting here in the Victoria's Secrets, you know, gift bag room. Um, and my buddy's, you know, call him my buddy, but he's my brother's father-in-law. You know, I'm, and got the pink walls if you see my TikToks or my Instagrams. And, you know, there's, there's, it's like my entire life is compressed into this tiny little 12 by 12 foot room. And it's just hundreds and hundreds of inputs. Those are just the ones that I could rattle off the top of my head. I got a little fluffy over Christmas and put on 10 pounds. So now I'm releasing that over the next month. And it's like just tons and tons of inputs. And there's a part of me that, and I shared this last night at Recovery Dharma, formerly called Refuge Recovery. Um, at least that's what I'm being told. I haven't Googled this or anything, but it appears that what used to be Refuge Recovery is now Re Recovery Dharma. And I met an amazing, amazing woman here in Huntsville who's just, man, she's just steeped in, seeped in. I don't know the right word. She is thoroughly involved in the addiction recovery community and just a bright ray of sunshine. And I would think that one of the coolest things that I'm discovering about here is that there is this idea of inclusivity over exclusivity. Whereas in Los Angeles, it was a lot of exclusivity a lot of red tape to get to people who would want to talk to you about what it is they're doing in this field or that field, right? They're making new friends. Everyone sort of kept everybody at arm's length because they weren't sure what your ulterior motive is here. And here, you know, at least in Noba, Northern Alabama, here in Huntsville, it's like, you know, you're a good person. All right, cool. You're cool. I'm cool. Cool. Let's, let's, let's hang out. Let's go to a meeting. Let's talk. And I love that. I love real people. And for all those who have lived in a major city, you know what the experience of being in a city of millions of people is like. It's it, There's almost like a disconnection of people. And here I'm able to embrace this, this connective 
environment. And I have no doubt that there are those who would rather, you know, be exclusive and keep what they're doing in their own little world. But that's not me. It's not ever really been me. I'm all about sharing and growing and, and being in, in being there for others and, and creating this community. And yes, I absolutely love my little creativity cocoon. I can get into my bubble and I can start knocking out work. But there's times where it's just like close the computer, get in the car, go see some people, go to the gym, start up a random conversation with some dude who turns out to be a Huntsville firefighter. We're talking about raindrops and how much it rains here versus rains in Southern California. And he gets to tell me about his tour in SoCal and I can tell him about my years there. And it's like, wow, just made a random friend at the gym at 11 o'clock on a, you know, Tuesday night. I love this place. And there are hundreds of inputs coming at me every single day that I wake up here. Because of all of these inputs, there is some physical shifts that I've noticed that I've undergone in my body over the last couple months. Yeah, I put on a little bit of weight. It's mid 30 degrees here on any given day, which is definitely not what I'm used to in Southern California. But I'm also noticing the more I meditate and I've been being mindful and and putting attention and awareness towards my meditation practice and at least seeking five to 10 minutes every day, sometimes to trance, sometimes to meditation music, but with an idea of just sitting there and breathing and not trying to necessarily quiet the mind as much as just be more mindful of my breathing. And it's something that we take for granted the power of. I've gone to breathing workshops and had people call, oh, you're into breathing. That's so hippie-ish. And oh, yeah, you're probably into yoga too. And it's like, okay, yeah, because I use it to stretch. But when I find myself being mindful of my breath and doing yoga stretches, boy, is that some powerful stuff. We breathe every single second of our lives. So we take for granted the power that comes through mindful, intentional breathing. So if you're taking notes, and I know a lot of you do because I get messages from you about this, um, the first thing I want to make sure I I highlight today is breathe with intention, not trance-like. That's just what I put in the show notes. Not, you're listening to A State of Trance with Almond Van Buren or the Vonic Sessions with Paul Van Dyke. This isn't that kind of trance. Trance is that, that unconscious habitual behaviors that you do day in and day out, time and time and time again, to the point where your your unconscious mind has habituated them. It has turned them into patterns and sequences you don't have to pay attention to in order to get your intended outcome. That's trance. It is, it, it is basically unmindfulness. It is habituated behaviors and actions that, that will give you a consistent outcome. Tying your shoes, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, um, taking a shower. There are ways that you do this, and they are habitual. Breathing is another one of these things that becomes very habituated. And when we slow down and we breathe with intention, and we're intentional about breathing, a wide array, vast beyond the ocean, of positive effects begin to spark in the body. We get more red blood cells pumping through our blood. We get the capillaries to expand in the tiny little parts of our bodies, our pinky toe and our pinky and, I don't know, wherever the hell else capillaries are. They're everywhere, by the way. Um, (laughs) It's 
<laughs> not turning this into Bill Nye the Science Guy episode or anything. I'm just simply pointing out that the amount of positive effects you get from deep breathing with intention, to me, that's what the meditation practice is about. It's just being mindful of the breathing. I'm trying to blank out the mind. I read many things about this, and somebody I came across said, that isn't really what the in the purpose of meditation is to somehow turn your mind into this black space as much as it is really to just breathe with intention and then eventually through um, practice the mind will just calm itself down i know people who've spent years meditating who say that they still daydream during it and they still do that they can often go to guided meditations and it's in the guiding that the visualization occurs so there's a lot of ways to meditate there's no wrong way to meditate, as from what my friend Danny C. Muniz says. There's no wrong way to meditate. There is just meditation and do it. All right? It's sort of like going out and walking. There's really no wrong way to walk. Um, there are some goofy-ass ways to walk, but there's really no wrong way to walk. And so this physical shift that's happening in my body is coming from me being mindful and intentional with my breathing. And I'm noticing the clarity I get the calmness I can I can evoke within myself that's happening even with hundreds of inputs coming at me every single day. A to-do list a mile long for myself or my relationships or my career. I don't get flustered or overwhelmed by these because I realize that each and every day I'm taking one more step closer to an outcome that I while well formed what I would like it to be, I'm not squeezing with a death grip around the expectation of it to be exactly as I have envisioned it to be. It will be what it bees. Bees. I love bees. Bees, they make the, bees make our lunch. It will be what it bees. Right? But it doesn't mean that I, I don't have an ambitious discontent around seeking to achieve it in the way that I've envisioned it, but also not a death grip around not being open to the idea that it could look differently and if I'm so firmly entranced by what I want it to, to look like and I miss another way that actually is just as good if not better right it's sort of like thinking that you know the picnic has to happen at this particular point in the park and so you're so dead set on that point in the park that you just you get there early and you put your blanket down and you're like, nope, this is where it's got to be. This is where it's got to be. And then later on in the day, some awesome deer and rabbits go walking by 200 yards to the right. And you could have just easily set up there and seen the, the deer closer, right? We get so hell bent on something looking one way that even if a just as desirable way appears, presents itself, we're not even open to that idea. And this is where my next point I want to make comes. Slow down and do things right-ish the first time. Now, I talked about this in College Success Habits just now and to frame it around the college experience there. And here, what I want to frame it around is this idea that for most of us, and I'm, I'm using most, and I almost bit my tongue on that word, for most of us, there is a sense when we get sober that we wasted it just a ton of time, just a, a slew of time in active addiction, drinking and doing drugs. And so we get to this sobriety and now it's like, well, I want to make up for lost time with well, the things that I didn't enjoy, you know, my twenties, maybe I didn't, um, you know, take up the guitar. Maybe I didn't 
have open-minded relationships or maybe I didn't have, you know, connective conversations, whatever, whatever it is. I didn't write five books or act in a play on Broadway or become a stand-up comedian, whatever it might be. There's no going back. It's like sleep. You don't get to make up for sleep. You can sleep in and you can attempt to give yourself rest, but you can't go back in time and gather up the the four hours you miss Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then all of a sudden sleep 20 days on Saturday and make it up. For my own body, I actually notice that anything past eight hours, I actually feel like I start to regress. So if I get 11 hours, it actually feels like I only got five. And I definitely know what five hours of sleep feels like. Slow down and do things right-ish the first time. So slow down is realize that you can't make up for this perceived lost time. In fact, the drive and the energy you have right now in your life, it is anchored and rooted in the experiences you had during your active addiction. addiction. So whether you would be a better version of yourself or not, had you not spent so long in active addiction, that is a moot point. We'll never know. Any more than you know when you're walking through the woods and you decide to take the right fork rather than the left fork and you see three deer on the right fork, you could be like, oh, definitely wouldn't have seen any deer on the left fork. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you'd have seen 30 deer or maybe there'd have been no deer or maybe there'd have been a big bear eating some honey, you know, with a fork and knife. I don't know. Right. But you went the right fork and that's the only one that you have any kind of perspective on. You cannot even begin to imagine what the left fork would have been. It is uh, it is gone. And even if you were to cut through the woods and end up on the left fork in the moment, it's still not what it could have been. Going backwards back to the fork and then taking the left, time has moved on. The moment has already passed. What you think you would have experienced then is going to be a completely different experience now. So in this moment is the opportunity you have to do things right-ish. And I'm putting ish at the end of right because I was concerned when I first wrote down, slow down and do it right the first time, that some of y'all might have the perception that I mean perfect. And there, I've talked about this before. There is no perfect. Perfect doesn't exist. Perfect is a, is a, is a made-up quantity that we have that generally would come from an external source, right? Internally, you might make your bed and think, yeah, that's good. I'm happy with it. Is it perfect? I don't know. What the hell is perfect? What the hell is a perfect made bed? All right, but you might be like, man, I made the bed really great today. I'm really happy with that. Somebody else comes in and is like, dude, that is the most perfect way I've ever seen to make a bed. And then somebody else comes in who's like a professional bed maker, and they're like, this sucks, If you're seeking an external validation to the work that you do, somebody might think it's perfect. Somebody else might think that it's imperfect. You can't control how they perceive it. You don't know their perspective. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You know, someone out there right now is warming up with your max. That was a t-shirt I came across in CrossFit once. Not once. This dude wore it all the time. And I loved it because it reminded me that no matter how strong or no matter how fast I felt, somebody out there is warming up with my max. My fastest sprint is Usain Bolt's light jog before he stretches in the morning. You know, my my personal record on the bench press is somebody else's board on a 
Tuesday in the middle of the afternoon, just going to the gym and just throwing up 400 pounds on the bench press and knocking it out 20 times. And I'm over here thrilled. I can do 200 pounds, you know, five times, whatever my max is, somebody's out there warming up with it. So just seeking perfect is it's, it's unattainable. Calling yourself a perfectionist to me is it's, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. somebody says they're a perfectionist. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work with you then. Right. You're going to sit there and try to tinker with something until it's perceived to be perfect. And then no matter how good it is, somebody can find a flaw in it. Some of my best and favorite books, because I have a history as a copy editor, I found a comma splice, or I have found a run on sentence, or I have found a capital where there should have been a lowercase. I found a misspelled word even right? Or that and that doubling up in a sentence and it's not intentional. They may have thought it was perfect. They may have had three copy editors go over and that period still made it through. So do things right-ish the first time, meaning just slow down, breathe with intention and ask yourself, am I doing this to the best of my abilities in this moment? And give yourself grace when you don't do that. We're all enjoying a human experience whether it's off in our own little cocoons at 12.25 on a Wednesday morning or whether it's at the gym or at a meeting, wherever it might be, we're all enjoying the human experience. Some of you might choose to frame it as we're suffering through the human experience, and that's your choice to see it through this pessimistic negative lens, just like it's my choice to see it through an optimistic positive lens. Doing something right-ish the first time was brought to my attention over the last few days as I've begun to complete phase one of the beta launch for my membership program. And uh, I'm going to talk more about that in the next episode. And I could have been talking about it more often, and I think I've hinted around about it, but a lot of you have reached out and wanted to support the show in one way or another, and you've asked about Patreon, uh, you've asked about ways that you could be involved in the tribe or, or come you know, as a client, whatever that might have been. Um, and for a lot of you, through various circumstances in your life, we weren't able to make things work out. We weren't able to f- get you involved. Um, I've never really been a fan of Patreon. I don't really enjoy their system, and it I just, it didn't seem like, to me, just, there, there was something about it that I just, that just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, I'm starting to shift my perceptions about it now, but I remember watching some people seek to utilize that to get closer with their audience in Los Angeles and not have the greatest experience with it. So what I chose to do was to take my material and turn it into a membership site for about the same amount you might want to throw down on Patreon. But now you actually get to experience this content at a deeper level um, in a, in a place where I can post blogs and I can have zoom calls where you guys can come in and we can discuss the show and we can discuss what's happening in your life. I'm very, very happy with where this is building toward. And one of the things that I set down as a task to achieve by next Tuesday, March 1st was to build workbooks for the first 43 training sessions that I built this time last year to launch the wise mind recovery. Uh, it was, Basically, it was called Wise Mind Empowerment and Recovery. And uh, we're going to call it the Wise Mind Empowerment Hub now. And it's going to be this hub of all the things that I talk about. And I want, I'm want i building these workbooks. And I noticed that 
I was so set upon having all 43 done by next Tuesday that I started to rush them. And I wasn't making them look as good as they could. And it just the whole process just didn't seem uh, just didn't seem right. There, there, was, there was something that felt off. It was incongruent with the way that I wanted to actually build those out. So I just woke up this morning and told myself, you know what? I'm giving you grace. Last year, you were able to do 43 training modules all the way from writing them up to shooting them to editing them to posting them in Teachable and getting all of that done 43 and 45 days. It was a humongous project. I'm very happy with the way I was able to build that and create it and get it out on time. Now, because of that course, honestly, so much about my life has changed that there isn't the same amount of time. I can't bury myself into that for 45 days straight. I've got all of those hundreds of inputs coming at me. They can't just be, you know, shut behind the bedroom door while I'm over here making workbooks. There's, there's, there has to be a balance now. Giving myself grace and saying, you, when you launch the membership site, do it as a beta and leak out, you know, slowly drip out the workbooks as you finish them. And then they're high quality and you get to present new information to those that join the membership um, during the beta phase of it. Um, it was in that releasing this morning, and partially I wonder if it wasn't the, the meditation at Recovery Dharma last night, about impermanence around emotions and thoughts are impermanent. It's the ruminating that makes them seem like they are more permanent, like, they are, like they're around more often. But emotions and you know thoughts, 50,000 a day, they're in and out of your head. Emotions, the, the, the emotion cycle, depending on whether it's anger or sadness or depression, can go from anywhere from a minute or two up to 15 minutes max. And it's the ruminating on them that makes them seem like they stay around longer. It's the, it's the going back and remembering it and remembering it and remembering it. And there's some really great modules in the membership site in the hub that talk about this about how our minds get get themselves stuck in a loop. And I break down how the entire loop is created in your mind. And it's to me, it, it's one of the most powerful slides, one of the most powerful diagrams. It's called the structure of reality. It's like when you fully see this and understand that this isn't like some philosophy of life that somebody created and that there's other ones that could challenge this. This is just life how we take in information through our five senses, how they're run through different processes and filters to create these still pictures, these short movies, these gifs inside of our head that become the way that we picture things. I'll give you an example. Think of a car. Now think of a dog. Now think of a building. Whatever car or dog or building just popped into your head, that is the internal picture you have created around what a car, a dog, or a building can be. More than likely, it's from something that you recall in your life. Something somewhere a car or a dog or a building has made an impact on you, and that is probably what you thought of. Right? I could, right now, when I say dog, I picture you know um, my housemate's new dog. Right, but I could also picture Rover or Maze. Right? But you picture whatever version of a dog you pictured, just like you didn't picture a three hundred ZX that was blue with T tops when I said car, but that's what I pictured because that was my very first favorite car. 
when I thought about a building, I was thinking about the Paternus Towers in Kuala Lumpur. I doubt you were thinking about the Paternus Towers in Kuala Lumpur. So my five senses bring in information that's run through processes and filters, and it creates pictures. So when I say beets or pizza or cheeseburgers, a picture pops into your mind. And it's through these pictures that we create the reality we have in our mind. And, right? and it's, it's then you take these pictures and you combine them with your emotional state and your physical body. And those three are what create your, um, your actions, your, your behaviors, which is get what gives you an external action or behavior, which then starts the whole loop up again. And then you get another, you get another couple million bits of data from your five senses and it's run through processes and filters. And this happens every single second of your life. This isn't a philosophy about life. It is just the way that, that the brain operates, right? So much about what you believe is your reality is coming from what the five senses brings into your awareness and how you filter it and process it. It's those pictures in your minds. It's the sounds attached to them. It's the feelings you have when you think of these pictures. It's the way that you talk to yourself. That's how you're creating your reality in your mind. And then that creates your emotional state that affects your body language. And that, that creates this external result of a behavior or action. And all of these things that I've just discussed there's an impermanence to all of them. The thought you have is impermanent. Your emotional state is impermanent. Your physical body language and your physiology is impermanent. The picture you have in your mind right now when I say microphone is impermanent. The, when I say white bear, it's impermanent. Pink elephant, impermanent. What you might picture can be consistent, but it will always be the same thing. That can shift and change based on your own perspectives and perception of your life. I say white bear right now, and you remember seeing a picture of a polar bear on the cover of Time magazine, and then you go to a zoo tomorrow and you see a polar bear, and now all of a sudden that picture of a polar bear changes. There's an impermanence to what you picture in your mind. Therefore, there is an impermanence to the way you see the world. And knowing there's an impermanence to the way you see the world allows you to really embrace the idea that we're all doing the best we can with the resources we have. And when we seek to have a more desirable life, a more desirable version of our reality, a more desirable set of behaviors and actions, we need look no further than understanding that our brain is flexible and adaptive. As you step into sobriety and recovery, you will begin to adapt and you will get flexible around things that you previously had less flexibility around. Your, your adaption to different circumstances and events is going to shift based on the fact that you no longer have alcohol and drugs in your system. It's understanding that all of this is impermanent. Therefore, there is a consistent opportunity to embrace change and growth in your life. So if you're taking notes, the third point I wanted to make in this is that permanence and impermanence around emotions and thoughts that's what I wrote in here. So there's an impermanence around emotions and thoughts. Very few things, if ever, are permanent. Even we could say, well, the sun rising in the east and setting in the west is permanent. That's always going to happen. Yes, with that broad description of what the sun is doing, you could say that that's permanent. We could also debate that every single day the sun shifts in the sky. So it's not really due west or due east, but it's degrees of east and west. We could also say that the sun's not actually doing a damn thing that the earth is spinning. And it's because of the way that the earth spins that it appears that the sun rises and sets, but it doesn't really. We just spin. 
and the axis is consistently shifting every day. The length of day and night every day is shifting. Permanence, gravity, okay. There's a, there, there's a, there, there can be a permanence to gravity, and yet we have found that there are ways to lighten gravity through different various means, right? We want people to experience um, less, you know, um, almost like moonlight conditions, moon-like conditions. We put them in swimming pools, right? You know, gravity on the equator can be, um, can operate differently than gravity at the poles, you know, gravity uh, affects a feather differently than it affects a bowling ball, right? I'm really stretching here, trying to come up with some sort of example that is permanent, and my brain's not finding it. And so I'm sure yours could if you were to set it upon that, and that's fine. Out of the infinite things that we could call upon, there you might find one or two or ten that are permanent. But out of infinite? <laughs> I'll take a, I'll take my statement that impermanence is ninety nine point nine 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 percent of just the way that it is, and that's beautiful, guys. That's beautiful to embrace that impermanence, because when you do and you have a craving, you have a negative emotion, you have a negative thought, you realize it's impermanent. Breathe deep with intention. Slow down. Give yourself grace. Close your eyes. And picture a river and this this undesirable thought and this undesirable emotion are in this boat. And this little rowboat just sails by you. And off to the right, there is a waterfall. And over the edge of the waterfall, there goes the boat with the undesirable emotion and thought in it. And as it goes down the, the waterfall and, and, and slips out of sight, off to the left, comes another 49,999 thoughts with emotions attached to them. And this happens every single day. Why are you holding on to certain thoughts and emotions while letting others go off the side of the waterfall? If it's no longer serving you, if it's holding you back, if it's only propping up your limiting beliefs, then it's time you seek another way. You cannot possibly be at 153 of these episodes and not know the way that I'm going to encourage you. It's within the seeking of a new way, of any way, of one step forward. We're not looking for the best outcome right now. We're not looking for the perfect solution the first time around. We're not even looking for the perfect solution the 100th time around because perfection doesn't fucking exist. (laughs) We're looking for progress. And the last thing you can write down if you're taking notes is reflect on what you've done and where you've been. It's in this slowing down, giving yourself grace grace, and breathing with intention, understanding that thoughts and feelings are impermanent. It's seeking the progression, not the perfection. That this reflection in this evaluation of where you've been who you used to be versus who you are now. I am by no stretch of the mind or the imagination perfect. And again, what did I say about perfect? But it's like that word is so ingrained in our society that even when I seek to not say it, I say it. So then I just catch myself saying it and I release it. When I used to tell people I was a life coach back when I first started doing all this four years ago, 
people would say, oh, you're a life coach. You got it all figured out. Your life is just perfect. And the calm, rational response, no. No, my life's not perfect. Far from it. It's progressing. What I think gives me an edge for myself in my own life in this radically amazing world, not an edge against anyone else, because that's not what I'm doing. I'm not comparing myself to others. I look in the mirror, and if there is any competition, it's just who I was yesterday, who I was this morning. Can I lay my head on the pillow each and every day knowing I did everything in my power to take another step forward to my highest self, to my meant-to-be? If there's any competition, it's me. It's the person in the mirror. I don't have it all figured out. But people who read the books that we read, people who read the things I read, people who focus on their personal growth and development the way that I do, people who listen to this podcast like you do, and all the other things that you bring into your life as part of your recovery, we don't have it all figured out. But we're continuing to add resources and skills to our backpack of life that gives us the opportunity to figure it out just a little bit more effectively, a little bit more efficiently so that we can have this fruition moment where our hard work allows us to have a different response rather than react, to be more grounded rather than triggered. And it's in this reflection, it's in this evaluation of my learning and application, of my growing and evolution through learning. Right? It's, it's from all of the application that comes from Jelen which, by the way, is one of my newest acronyms, Growing and Evolving Through Learning. G, Growing, Evolving, Learning. Growing and Evolving Through Learning. Jelen. Jelen is actually Thomas, TJ, my workout buddy and best best friend. It was actually him who called it Jelen the other day. And I was like, yep, that's my new thing. So it's the Jelen. It's the Growing and Evolving Through Learning. And then there's the, there's the Application and Evaluation. So, and I don't really know if Jel A-E is is a word, so I don't think, Gelly, Gilead, Gilead, nope, that's a little too much like Handmaid's Tale. Anyways, it's gelling through application and and evaluation, (laughs) and that allows you to reflect. That gives you the moment to look upon where you've been, to understand that you're not the same person you were yesterday, let alone 30, 90, 120 a year ago. It's just not. It's just not. And that's to be embraced. And that is to be loved. And that is to be cherished. Cravings will come and go. I had one tonight leaving the gym at 11 o'clock. I drove by the gas station. And for whatever reason, my brain was like, oh, the gas station's open. You know, you could go in there and buy a 40 and chug it. You know, you could, you could go in there right now. You want to go in there right now and buy a 40 and chug it? You go in there and buy a 40 and chug it. Like, I have no idea why my brain started having this conversation with itself. And I'm just sitting there like, shut up. You do not want to go in there and have a beer. But I've learned enough through all of this that that which you resist persists. So then I was like, okay, dude, you want to go in there and have a beer? First of all, it's raining cats and dogs. So you're going to go in there and what? You're going to buy this beer? You're going to drink it here? You're going to drink it in the car on the way home? You're going to drink it when you get home? What are you going to do then? Be a 40 in and want a cigarette? Be a 40 in and want another 40? You're going to start drinking the booze in the house that that you're sure your housemates have if you could just locate it? What are you going to do? Wake up with a hangover? Be smelling the booze? Go buy yourself a pack of smokes? 
Like, what, like, just play it out to the credits, man. Go for it. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? You want to think about drinking beer? Let's go for it. Let's think about drinking beer. Let's have a field day with it. So I just let it sit there and daydream about it while I turned right on the 72 and just started heading whatever. I don't know if it was east, east, west. I think it's east. Started heading east. You know, I, I don't even know when I stopped daydreaming about that 40 and being in that gas station and chugging it in the car. I don't, I have no idea. I don't know when the craving went away. I don't know when the thought finally faded. It just faded. It just, it was there as I was turning right past the gas station and it was, then it was just gone. Cause rather than pushing it away, trying to resist it, I just allowed it, allowed it to, right. You want to think about it? Then think about it. And I'm going to bring up some topics about from the willpower instinct in, in the next couple of episodes, but it does talk about that. That if you tell the mind not to think about something, it actually will think about it more. Don't think about a white bear. Do not, under any circumstances right now, picture a white bear. If you picture a white bear right now in your mind, I promise you, a white bear is going to come out of your technology device that you're listening to me on right now, and it's going to smack you upside the head. Don't think about a white bear. Just continue not thinking about this white bear until this show is over. But Whatever you do, you shouldn't even be thinking about a white bear right now. Notice how many of us are thinking of a white bear? I already know you are. Studies have been done. I don't have to guess. It's the same thing with a craving. If I sit there and try to not to think about the beer, then the brain's like, oh, you don't want us to think about it? Sweet, let's bring all of our resources in from the brain to think about beer. So I just let it think about beer. I let it think about buying the beer and chugging the beer. No doubt about chugging it in the parking lot, chugging it in the car, chugging it while I surfed on top of my car. Whatever, brain, go for it. Happy now? Play it to the credits, brain. And I guarantee you, whenever it finally let it go and let it fade away, it played it to the credits and realized that was a dark, dark alley, and I already know what's at the end of it. Ain't no reason to go back down it. That which you resist persists. There's an impermanence to that craving. There's an impermanence to that thought and that, and that emotion that I felt as I drove past that gas station. Rather than resist it, I just embraced it. Embrace the thought and the feeling. Because I knew it was impermanent. I knew that it would fade away. I knew that it wouldn't last as long as I didn't fight it being there in the first place. This is the kind of growth that I am uncovering around myself. This is the stuff that I enjoy learning about myself, about learning about the brain. It's fascinating to me. All of this is fascinating to me. And 153 episodes in, I still I still have so many things I want to talk about. Sometimes I don't even know what to talk about when I turn on the microphone. But I hope that somewhere in all of this, you have found a juicy golden nugget that you can embrace and begin to apply in your life right now. Hit me up on social media. Let me know what was impactful. And for those of you, again, who've always wanted to be more involved in what it is that I'm doing over here and perhaps um, be able to join the uh, tribal meetings, the Zooms, where we talk about the content in the episodes, we talk about the content in the, in the hub. This is your opportunity. It's going to literally be so affordable it is going to be about the price of a beer or a shot at a restaurant or bar. It is going to be that affordable. Remember back in the day when you used to waste your money and your time in places like that, drinking crap like that? 
right? You'd burn through $30, $40, $50 in a night easily. I won't even be a fifth of that in order to be involved in the Wise Mind Empowerment Hub. I can't wait to introduce it to you. That will be happening in the next episode. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of our lives when we wake up sober. As always, shout out the sunshine glow on. See you next week. Bye. Bye.